Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Um, we have lots to discuss, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, two, uh, pl- games in the, uh, well, one in the West, one in the East. I like the way they balance that out, uh, tonight, uh, um, uh, Vegas leading one, nothing in their best of seven. And, uh, uh, I, I believe, uh, Carolina, New Jersey, it's, it's one, nothing Carolina, but I think they're going to, I remember the, the schedule is a little, jumbled because of building availability. Uh, I know that Toronto is not playing in Florida until Sunday. That had more to do not with building availability, but with the Miami Heat playing the Knicks in Miami. So they didn't want to conflict with that. So, you know, Uh, but we'll start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah. So um, right now going on, um, it's in the Philly area because it it encapsulates Philly and New Jersey or the world um, youth hockey championships. And, it's actually, it's a lot of birth years from 08, 07, 06. Mm-hmm. So there's some really good players there. Uh, I witnessed some this morning at, uh, at Hollydale, which is literally like 20 minutes from my house. So, but, and man, they've built up that place. I haven't been there in like five years. I have there all the time. I haven't been there. No, no. It's 20 like, years probably. <laughs> like five rinks now. You can't just really? go to one rink and see Guy Goudreau and practice your skating. Like you won't be able to do that anymore. It's like a massive place. It's like the place in Aston, but that's the thing. So they're playing there in Aston uh, at the Flyers place, training center in Voorhees. And, and so like, I'll, I'll be there Sunday night because there's a big time prospect playing there. Um, I'm not going to tell you who he is because you'll just have to read my article when it comes out, but um, we'll be doing that. And it, but it's nice that um, all of this is happening. And some of the Flyers are actually coaches. So like Joel Farabee will be a coach. Tony D'Angelo is going to be a coach. Um, so there's a few of them that are coaching some of these teams. So interesting tournament, a lot of players from around the world, Canada and otherwise. So, you know, exciting that it actually came to little old South Jersey by me. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Be dark. My buddy Dan, um, we used to, used to, used to coach at Hollydale for years. Okay. He coached, um, he was that, you know, our buddy Dan actually coached Johnny, Johnny Goudreau as a little kid. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, and, you know, at one point, um, that place was run by, um, Don Knockbauer. A former flyer. He sounds, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's my other name. Okay. Had for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. People should check it out. They want, they're passing around the area. Go watch some good hockey. Yeah. That's really great. Oh, geez. Good, cool. Good job. All right. Ready? Here we go. <clears throat> Hi, Mike. Hello, Hockey World. It is Friday, May 5th, 2023. I'm Michael Agello, and Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen, and listen, I, I predicted what the Panthers would do. I feel comfortable with that. So did I. I'm Kevin Allen, and I thought Russ Cohen was going to say that he concurs that Franco is dead. No, I didn't. No I, so I thought you were going with that. But I, get, but I get the joke. Yeah. You killed my father. No. Um, <laughs> oh, that's on Diego Montoya. I know. I know. <laughs> good, good. You got the reference just from that. That's free present. 
Princess Bride. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday, and damn it, it's Friday, and I just can't believe it because this has been a week from hell, but it's been a long week around here. But that's okay because we're on the podcast now, and I'm really happy to be here. And um, I am going to start off by talking about last night's game with Sam <laughs> and Maple Leafs because, because, and here's why. Like, I have, I now, it's, it's fascinating because I've been rooting for the Maple Leafs, you know, most. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. No, no, but I mean, over the years, because I because there's so many Leaf fans. You're a good friend. I want this. I want this team to be successful, and I, you know, I think they're talented. And I, I like, I like Mitch Marner guy. I really, you know, I've gotten to know John Tavares a little bit over the. I just, this is a team that I, you know, I haven't. I don't know Austin Matthews very well. I have to admit, but I would like to. And last night, you know, I saw the Leafs curse firsthand, like because that was um. And you guys all call it the Eklund curse, but it's not. That was the luckiest I've ever seen a team get in a game. The Panthers last night. I, I'm not. I'm not just gonna throw it. No, no. no. I, I, you have to when you that's through a highlight package. Let me finish the highlight package of posts pucks going through Bobrovsky's legs and going wide. All kinds of crazy, crazy things. I mean, you got to be good to be lucky, but man, oh man, puck luck was on the Panthers' side last night. I, I think that's. I, I'm putting and putting the odd position of that of. Uh, defending the Florida Panthers because that's taking away from the Panthers and what no. they've been able to do. But let me, let me, okay. Yeah, I go. My, my issue. And I wrote about it today is that in five, and I, I, I've said this when the Leafs beat Tampa and mm-hmm. it's, it's pertained to the first two games of this series, the other than game two against Tampa, the Leafs have not put a solid, complete effort, not 60 minutes because maybe that's unreasonable, but a solid, complete effort in, in a game to be able to win it comfortably. They've right. always, they've had to come from behind. I mean, the, I think of the team of the eight teams that are still alive in the Stanley cup playoffs, they have led the least in their series. And, right. and, and now in, in game one, you know, they, they fell behind early. They didn't seize on power plays. They, they came, they came back and then a, a bad giveaway uh, allowed Verhage to score the the breakaway goal in Game One, and they, they and they couldn't beat Borowski. In this game, they followed the same blueprint as Game Two against Tampa. They shot out to a two nothing lead. They were full marks for that. You know, Florida makes a, scores a, a goal in, in the in the first period. Lundell, a great play by Sam Reinhardt. They're up two to one. They should feel good about themselves, and they come out in the second period absolutely friggin' comatose. And they've done this. Over and over this season. Now, no team is perfect, but when you come out of the come out of the, the the locker room up two to one, and the crowd is going nuts, and you give up a goal 19 seconds into the second period, and now you're tied, and you're so stunned that you give up another one, and then you can't beat Bobrovsky. That's not on luck. That's on attention to detail. And they lost because they can't put together a solid effort against a team that they probably should beat. Yeah. Um, Kevin? Well, I agree with some of what Mike said. Um, uh, I, cause I think Toronto should beat Florida, uh, just the way, you know, things have gone this season, but you know, I don't think you, you Mike gave enough credit to Florida last night. Like, uh, you know, yeah, Toronto probably thinks they didn't come out strong enough in the second, but Florida, yeah. you know, they've come up big every time they've needed to do that. Uh, they've stepped up their game and now Bobrovsky, you know, he's has not- forgotten. If, yeah. He's forgotten what year it is that he right. thinks he's back winning Vezina trophies again. And, um, you know, he's playing uh, very well and, 
you know, it's not like he's spectacular. He's just doing what he needs to do to win. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's been doing that. And, you know, the Panthers have been very impressive. And, you know, I think you got to call them a momentum team now. Yes. Like they're, yeah. they're a team that feels really good about themselves. They're very confident. There's no lead. They don't think they can come back from. And, uh, you know, you, you got to have a good leader. You got to have a rallying cry. And they have a guy like uh, Kachuk who can, you know, wave the flag and say, let's go, boys. Let's go get them. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I've been impressed by Florida. They're really getting the job done. I, you know, it's not like, you know, if you think back to when Tampa Bay lost to Columbus, like it was a total collapse. Yes. But like, and the Maple Leafs are in these games. Like, yeah. they, like they just can't get over the hump. Like they just can't yeah. seem to get the one goal they need. Um, like if they could have gotten one more goal early on, like, you know, that would have been a little demoralizing. I, yeah, I, I, it's hard to get, you know, get, put your finger on the reason why they, you know, haven't been able to do that. But, um, you know, if it happens occasionally, I think that's luck. If it happens all the time, as Mike points out, then there has to be some sort of flaw in their preparation or whatever. It just, it was so weird to say that. Go ahead, Russ, you first, please. Okay. I was going to say, I do want to congratulate Kev for coming over to my side about the momentum team because I, that's what I thought I saw Florida becoming when they came out of the last series and then into the first game, it does look like they are that team. Um, but two things, one thing Eck and I talked about Samson up does not make the right save at the right time. He didn't last night. That, that third goal was bad. And two, he's given up three goals every game. Like I, I said that before the series starts, yeah. we'll give up three goals every game in the playoffs. That's been his history. That's been him. Now what's killing the Leafs here. And this is where I can't blame Keith is that, the whole Matt Murray thing now looms large because they would love to put Matt Murray in, but he's not available. Now, whether he'll be available in two days, who knows? But the whole thing, and this goes back to Kyle Dubas now, when they signed these two goalies, right. we talked about this like in last July, yeah. this was a scenario that we could all see coming. Right. And it's happening now. It just took beyond the first round. So now we have to look at that and say, Okay, if they go out like Lambs in the second round, which I don't know if it will happen or not, but if they do, yeah, maybe Dubas doesn't get fired, but he's got to have a talking to because again, they will be no better off next year for goaltending than they were this year. Well, I mean, and and I'll grant you this point because I watched all three of the goals that he gave up yesterday. He had absolutely no chance on the Lundell goal. That was a great play by Reinhardt. The Barkoff goal was a screenshot that. I think you have to make the save, but you know, it, since he didn't see it, you can't really blame the Forsling goal, the, the game winner. I mean, it was a complete co collapse defensively. They they gave up the puck at the blue line, and it was a Kachuk pass across the way. He had no chance on it, Russ. I don't think he. But my but my, but my issue here is, and this has been through Freddie Anderson, through ex best friend Jack Campbell, and now with with Ilya Samsonov, the Leafs need goaltending that they usually come up against like Tuka Rask or Braden Holtby against Washington or Vasilevsky million and a half dollars. That's my whole point here. But, but my point is Russ is they come up against goaltenders that make saves. No, no. Don't well let me finish. They come up they come up against goaltenders. Let me finish. 
they come up against goaltenders that make the save that you don't expect, and they never get the goaltending that makes the save that you don't expect. And that's okay, because they're taking – Rush, you have the talking plate. Take this. No, but all I want to say is when they spent very little money on goaltending this offseason, they took a guy with a bad injury history, and they took a guy who didn't do well in the playoffs last year – and was ousted by a GM who was fed up with him in the playoffs last year, and are hoping for better. Yeah, and, and the and the goaltender that they that's spent right. the goaltender they spent the money on won two Stanley Cups. So that's, that's the whole. That's also that's highly successful. I mean, listen, as much as I want to go on the bandwagon here that they should have signed Campbell, which I've always been about. Oh my god! I I can't blame Samsonov for this. Like, in my opinion, watching this game, I think he's actually played really well in this series. Like, I think. I mean, yes, he has to make that save. I granted, Rush, you know that's one of the biggest things I talk about all the time. Yeah. But he has made some big saves at big times. He just yeah. hasn't made enough big saves at big times. And, like, one few too big. You know, like like Kevin said, these are close games. This is so close. Looking at these posts, looking at all the crazy crazy shots they had, times when they were hitting Bobrovsky when he wasn't even looking. Um, I, I Last night, they deserved to win that game. I, I, I fully believe they deserved to win that game, and they didn't. And, you know, that happened in the playoffs for sure. Um, but now to, to sit there and people are counting them out, I wouldn't count them out at all. Like I, I remember Florida has lost two of three at home. Well, you have to admit, 0-2 is a pretty good time to count somebody out. Like yeah. if you're going to do it, but yeah. we count the devil. It's like count. It, it, we counted the, the Devils looked far more out of it than the Leafs do. Like the Devils against the Rangers looked far more done than the Leafs looked to me. Kevin, well, I mean, I, I was just going to say. And we've talked about this in the past, but I, I think Mike's right. And you guys are all kind of circling around this about, you know, making the right saves at the right time. I mean, you don't bring a goalie in to make saves when you say, you know, like you, you never should say the goalie doesn't have a chance. Like I, I get why you, everybody talk, says that because I've been guilty of it as well, because, you know, the net is wide open, his defenseman betrays him. And then, but goalies make saves in those circumstances. Right. And, you know, as Harry Sinden in my first few years in the league said, you know, I don't pay goalies to make routine saves. <laughs> I, I pay him to save the puck when it looks desperate and, you know, he can do it. And that's what we don't see um, from the Maple Leafs uh, goaltender. The only game that he did that, Kev, was game six against Tampa where I think he out-goaltended Vasilevsky. Yeah. But that's other other, other than that, he's been okay. But you need goaltenders to to step up at this time of year. Otherwise, you're not going to win. Or otherwise, when you're – and this has been, again, the big problem here. In the first two games of the series, the Florida core group led by Kachuk and last night Barkov scored and Anton Lundell and Ryan Hart, they have outplayed Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and especially William Nylander, who has gone goalless and pointless in four games and is minus four. I don't care how many shots the guy gets if yeah. he doesn't convert or he doesn't create goal, create opportunities. Not with you on him, I thought he was really weak. You know, they they were the, the TNT crew was like, "Oh my God, he's got seven shots on goal. It's friggin' meaningless if he doesn't pop them." It's funny, Mike. I was watching Hockey Night in Canada. I was watching Hockey Night in Canada broadcast instead, um, just because I like to do that sometimes. And uh, they were actually the opposite. They, they were saying, you know, it doesn't matter how many shots. They basically were saying what you were saying. It doesn't matter how yeah. many shots. It's interesting to see, like, two, two different perspectives on that, Kev. I think shots are an indicator, though. I mean, like, if a guy wasn't scoring, he wasn't getting any shots, and you're saying, you know, he's not creating everything. But, you know, how many times have we heard, and I know coaches believe strongly in this, 
if a guy's getting a lot of chances, you know, that's when they start to think that he's just unlucky. Right. Um, you know, because everyone knows everyone's lifetime shooting percentage. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they've got it sort of figured out. And the idea is if Nylander is getting seven or eight shots a game, well, then he's getting shots, but, you know, he just hasn't any luck. And eventually the, it will turn around because, you know, he has a percentage. So, you know, it's those kind of issues are always hard to sort out. Now, um, I can tell you this, based on listening to the post game last night, if Sheldon Keefe had a real option to switch to for next game, he'll do it. Right. But if he doesn't, He's frustrated because yeah. he's frustrated because it's hard to give up three goals every game and win. It right. is. Yeah, I mean, it, I didn't. They cut. They cut off the video on the Leafs website, but Russ was listening to it and I basically was listening said, on serious way. They don't that, cut anything. Yeah, I said <laughs> right. I said uh, that uh, Sheldon Keith basically walked off the stage. Uh, so and like there's, I didn't. I wasn't able to see proof of that. But um, just well, so, walk off the stage, but audio. I to think about this though. Well, just, the just a little, just a little yeah, update. Yeah, just a little update here. Uh, Matthew Nyes, who left the game in the first period uh, after getting a hit by Matthew Kachuk high, and then sort of wrestled and slammed to the ground by Sam Bennett. Uh, he's out with a concussion. So the yeah, the, the, the body. Out. So I mean, and that, that and that was the thing. And I okay, this is playoff hockey. This is what you do. You target you target players. That, that that's what, and that's what they did. Nyes was was one of their best players in game one. He's a rookie. They targeted him. They yeah, got him. targeting him. They, they did. I'm telling you right now. They well, I mean, Kachuk hits whatever moves and, no. and Nyes in the way. I mean, honestly, Kachuk—they're not going to go. Kachuk's not the kind of player who's like, I'm going to take on a 19-year-old. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe Kachuk didn't, but but Bennett sure as hell did. And I don't, Bennett, see, I don't know. I don't see that as a targeting thing. I think he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. To be honest, I mean. No, I think that's I, I probably the likely scenario. Yes, but but uh, exactly. so, now, exactly. so now he's out, and you could you could see a guy like Wayne Simmons or yeah. Zach Aston Reese step back in the lineup. But I mean, the only benefit for Toronto right now going forward is because of the building availability, like we were mentioning earlier. Game three is not until Sunday, so maybe that takes a little bit of the momentum away from Florida. But one goal or one hit, and that's <laughs> Kevin. You're shaking your head. <laughs> to me, to me, the extra day always hurts the team that's down two nothing. So, well, not necessarily. Oh. I mean, yeah, I mean, it just depends. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, um, you know, we'll know in the first period, uh, you know, who it's right. benefiting. So, I mean, I. You know, right now, like the Panthers really do have that, uh, you know, feel like, they do. you know, so it, it's interesting because, you know, I don't see that in any team out West. Um, you know, I think they're still kind of finding their way. Um, all the, all four of those teams. I agree with you. You know, like uh, where. That seems yeah, to have it sometimes, but. Yeah, yeah, but, but the Panthers, like, know who they are. They are. Like, you know, and, and, and if they didn't, Kachuk told them. Right. He walked in that room and he said, this is who we are now. Yeah. This is who I am. This is how I play. And I don't allow anybody yeah. not to play the way I play. Right. So right. If you want to play with me, get aboard. Otherwise, go elsewhere. And you know what, Kev? I admire that swagger because they have yeah, – I do too. They have an identity and they stick with it. You know, Bennett – okay, 
Bennett has been this type of guy since he played with Calgary. He, you know, he cross-checked bunting across the neck. He got a $5,000 fine. I'm sure he's very glad to pay that fine to be able to, to impose his will. Guys, guys like Montour is a, is playing very physically. Ekblad is doing the same. They're, they're uh, pressing with physicality on the Leafs and it's up for the, if the Leafs are going to get back in this series, they're going to have to either fight through it or respond. I think probably they're they're better off fighting through it because they're not a they're not an overly physical team, and I don't think that if you go into a game trying to out hit the Panthers, they got, they got you right where they want them. Yeah, yeah. here's the thing that they're doing wrong, and that they um, the you know, Leafs, you know, were at one point the power plays were eight to one last night. Um, I'm not sure where they ended up. Leafs uh, had like Leafs had at least eight. Power I think players. the problem is like Mike said, if they go over to Florida now and just try and hammer them and end up on the wrong side of the penalties. Yeah. You could be down 3-0. Like I I don't think they could play it like that. Yeah. I think they could be a little more physical, yes. Yeah. But I think Kachuk now has the edge mentally where he knows he's he's and he's going to go after certain guys to try and draw penalties. That's it. or at least get him off the ice. In in yeah. the in the first in the first that mode now. In the first two games Eck, uh, the, the Leafs have eight power plays. Panthers have two. That's reflective right. of the way. That's, that's the whole thing. That's um, how they play. But you see, but you, yeah, but you have to, like, how, how many goals do they have on the power play right now? They have one, right? It's, it's, if you're going to stop the Panthers, you got to do what Boston did to them, which is you got to make your power play deadly because that changes the way the Panthers have to play. Like, if, if oh. the Panthers start to believe that their power play, that they can kill penalties against Toronto, Toronto is dead. Their power play was really good in the first period. They scored a goal, but then they only had one power play from that point on for the rest of the game, and that was when Bunting got got cross-checked. So it really wasn't a special teams game. It was a five-on-five game, and at five-on-five, Florida was better. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a couple issues with this whole Kachuk thing, too. First of all, Kachuks don't change. Right. So you know, (laughs) so they, they won't change their style. Right. Um, but you know that's how you beat them, though you make them pay and get yeah. goals on the way they're going to play. Yeah. Um, but but I think you know there's a couple things going on here. Um, I, I made the the point. Uh, I remember I, I was everyone was surprised when you pointed out how many hits Kachuk had last season, and then how many his brother had. I think there was some discussion about that within the family <laughs> uh, about what was going on there yeah. because he has been a different player. Now maybe he sensed Florida needed that too, because, you know, it's almost a cliche, yeah. uh, you know, the new sheriff is in town, yeah. but that is clearly what happened in, in, in Florida. Barkoff's team looks a lot different than Matthew Kachuk's team, even though there's a lot of the same players on that team. But, uh, you know, and Barkoff, I think I give him a lot of credit too, because he's sort of, not that he stepped aside, he's still a very important part of that team and his leadership's important and everybody respects him and everything else. But he has given Kachuk license to do what he's doing. Yeah. Like he has said, you know, you go, you know, you, you you got a good thing going here, just keep leading. Pick that flag up and run with it. And he's he's allowed to do that. But I, I think Kachuk has taken stock of his uh uh the way he was playing. And I don't remember we can look it up, but his hits were down last year. Yeah, and they are not down now. No, so. I mean yeah, you're right, Kevin. I mean, at one point, didn't we all think that Brady Kachuk was the better Kachuk? And we do we still? No, think I, th- I think they're both well, the more physical. He was the more physical. Yeah, it was more the more physical. like. Yes. I mean, I, I I would if I was if before the season if I was to, to wager which on what I would have gone Brady slightly 
Like I would have, I would have just because I thought that he could score, but he also had that presence, that physical presence. But now, yeah, like Brady you know, has more offensive finesse. I still do. Yeah, scores a little differently, and that's fine. Yeah, but but what he's done this year, and I mean, it's so the GM of the year is is based on the playoffs as well. Am I right about that? Yes, that is right. Correct. It is right. That's one of the only awards it is correct. Correct. So um, I'm just showing this while. Uh, while... Okay, let me let me uh, yeah, let me finish this one thought, and then yes. So um. Bill Zito, you know, I mean, really, <laughs> I mean, you, you guys know that I'm a fan of his, but th- when you look at what, you know, the Huberdeau trade for Huberdeau, Uyghur trade for Kachuk and what happened with Montour bringing in, Goodness, you know, even, even bringing in Lyon at the right, in the right way, you know, because he's like a guy that, you know, we signed as an emergency guy and turned out to be good. I mean, who, you know, you would have thought he would have turned out, you know, he had two goalies. He had to deal, he also had to deal with, you know, losing who I think, who he thought his starter was going to be this year. You know, his starter was going to not, be a Bobrovsky or Lions, um, you know, so, I mean, and then, you know, then you go back to Montour's signings and Verhage's signings and Bennett's signings. I mean, I think that, I think he's got serious shot at GM of the year in my mind. Mm. Anybody agree here? I think he's in the running. Yeah. If it, if, it includes, if it includes the playoffs, for sure. I mean, if it, yeah. if it was, if it was like every other award that was just the regular season, it would probably go to Don Sweeney because yeah. definitely. But, but, but I think I think Sweeney still is going to get consideration because of the 65 wins. Right. He should. I'm not saying he shouldn't, but the reality is like that culture that we're seeing from the Florida Panthers now is a direct result of the culture that Bill yeah, changed. wanted to bring there when he got there. Like this is a totally different kind of Florida Panthers team than we saw before Bill Zito was there. Like and right. and that attitude and everything about it. Like oh. Hubert, I mean Huberto and Uyghur, they were tough guys to get rid of. We all thought that, right? Right, but you were gonna lose you were gonna lose both of them after next year anyway. So that's the reason why they, they made the move. Well, they didn't have to lose them both. I mean they the Huberto would have signed there forever if they wanted him to. But well, the- I, mean, I think it's a, it's the it's the point act that they probably didn't want to spend the resources that they would have had to to sign re-sign Huberto. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, there, there wasn't the money. They were willing to spend the money. It was well, not Huberto. You know, that's how I know they, they were willing, I know they were willing to spend money spend money, but they didn't want to spend money on a player like Huberto, who is sort of a peripheral player. I mean he's a, he was a yeah. hundred point scorer. When, remember that, like he was a hundred point scorer when they traded him. And but he's not as multi dimensional as no, no, but but you know, and we Gary everybody said, Wow, that's a great and I was I too thought, man, you know. If I was, if you were sitting here and telling me that you know Montour would have like two years ago, Montour would be more important than Uyghur on this team, I never would have a million years. Yeah, but, but, no, but if, last year Uyghur in the playoffs, everybody was on him. Yeah, um, yeah. he did not have a good playoff he last year. Good playoff, so, sure. You know, you got to remember the timing of that. So it actually yeah, made sure. some sense. For sure, um, it was. Um, it, but yeah. I just think that that you know, this culture we're seeing now. Granted, they're getting. I mean, they're getting lucky too. I mean, there's no question you're lucky. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Okay. The uh, the re- the reaction of Kyle Dubas they showed on Sportsnet of him sort of losing his mind and throwing the throwing the water bottle. Um, you know, I mean, if you don't think that there's pressure, still pressure on him, okay. I mean, that's it may be self imposed pressure. And if this if the if they if the Leafs go out in four or five, I think you know, I I still think now that he's won I won a round, he's going to get his extension and probably Keith is as well. But I do think that if they go out like a lamb. I don't know if Keith gets his extension if they go out like a lamb. Well, they he, he still he still has a year, Russ. They it don't have to, They don't have to. life. It doesn't matter. I know, but I mean, what I'm saying is they don't have to give him an extension. Right. They can let him play out the last year. Yeah, that's a nightmare in, in Toronto. I, I know, but but so <laughs> so what was going on with Dubas? He no, was, no, but but that's the GM. If all of a sudden the coach is like that in Toronto, 
it will be an unbearable year for everybody. <laughs> that's, and that's why I think he'll get an extension. Maybe I don't know. Again, okay. I can't. If they if, if they were to get swept here, I can't give him an extension. And I and I would tell him, I, I would tell him we're going in a different direction. If Dubis if Dubis gets an extension, I would I would bet big money that Keith gets an extension. As I mean, well. I, I got to tell you, there's going to be a point, Mike, and this could be the point where Dubis has to separate himself from Sheldon Keith, and maybe, it's going yeah. to happen at some point. Hey, maybe maybe Russ, but all I'm saying is if 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 Dubis is is if Dubis is given the uh, the authority. By and in, in the form of a new contract, I think he probably stays with Sheldon Keith. Maybe that's not the right move, but I think it'll be the. I, what I do think is, and we're already doing a post mortem, and it's too early to do that. But I yeah, do sure. think, no, I do think that possibilities. That's right, right. I do think that you know, with a year left on his contract, scoring a career high forty goals, you will start to hear the Nealander trade talk, sure. and I think it'll be legitimate this time. I think it'll be considered because. They can't, you know, they can't let him walk an unrestricted free agency, and they can't probably spend what he'll expect on a new contract, which is eight, eight and a half, probably like a Philip Forsberg type deal. They yeah. can't afford that. So, yeah, I think I think there's, you know, a very good chance that. Here's the crazy thing to me, and this is where the bar is so low for coaching in Toronto compared to other cities, where it used to be the opposite. Yeah. You look at Sheldon Keith's career achievements with this team, and let's say he doesn't get through this round. You would be fired in every other market, Kev. Every other market. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. Yeah. And no, when you think about it, like that, Kevin, that's a really interesting point. There, right? Yeah, it is. It's a really because when you think about it, yeah, like what is it that the Toronto Toronto has gone almost so far in the being afraid to be reactionary way? You know what I mean by that? Like they they yeah they are afraid to be reactionary because they're being they're being criticized by every every which of the way so they're going to, but by being afraid to be reactionary they really do lose sight sometimes of, of I, I don't think they're afraid to be reactionary i think okay first of all, they weren't they weren't afraid to be reactionary when they fired mike babcock uh i i just think a this is this is trust and loyalty in a particular coach by a particular member of management but i also think it's a refl- if he gets an extension, it's an admission and a reflection that of a recognition that there's a problem with the core group of this team, which I've been saying for four years. And you know, if they if they lose and one or two of these guys are complete no shows when this team needs them to step up, then you know you know what's going on with yeah. this. All right. Well, let's step. Let's step past this series. This series. Yeah, let's look um, at Dallas because I yeah, this, this uh, the Dallas Seattle game last night. Um, let's just discuss how crazy Pavelski is right now. Let's just realize what he's doing. Like, I remember we sat here and talked about the USA team in the next Olympics, and like we talked about Pavelski a little bit. You know, just because you have to throw his name in there, but it's you know it's two years away. We're like, there's no way in the world, you know, that Pavelski would still be ready this you remember this discussion I yeah I, I still feel the same way though i mean still feel the same way. i mean yeah yeah we're still two years away of course, right you know. we're still two years away we're like if you're, if you're standing, if, yeah yeah that doesn't change how hot he is but i mean he's been really impressive and what i really like too is um you know how the team is rallying around him. Yes. yes. Um, there's been so much discussion. I mean, I know I saw the quotes from Tyler Sagan. who's really a good quote, underrated in my opinion. Much better. It's gotten really good. Yeah, he's uh, 
And he was just talking about, you know, there's just nothing Pavelski's not good at. You know, he plays cards well. He's a scratch <laughs> golfer. He also has know. a great quote, too, because Wyatt Johnson's living in his living living. Yeah. He's 19 years old and living in his house. He's like, whatever they're feeding him over there, you know, whatever they're feeding yeah. him. Yeah. And, and, you know, he said he's great at air hockey. You know, he's just good yeah. at everything. So, but, yeah, I mean, just to put this into perspective, there's only been eight players in NHL <laughs> history who've had five goals over two games. <laughs> Eight players. Eight players. Yeah, and and the in the playoffs, obviously, and uh, only two. Um, and so Pavelski and Nathan McKinnon have done it in the first two games of a series. Um, so I mean, this is really remarkable what he's doing. Are any of those eight players over thirty? <laughs> no, uh, no, he's by far the oldest. When they did it, right? So like you're even looking at like yeah. that's the other thing. Too. Yeah, and the other thing is just awesome about this because hockey can be like you know. When guys wear helmets, you know, the, the joking thing, we're old enough to remember before guys wore helmets. Maybe a lot of people out there aren't, but there was like a real character to the players because you saw their heads. You know, you like you knew who that was. That was Rick McLeish, you know, down there for me. And then as a kid, you know, that was obviously that's what Bobby Clark looks like without his helmet. McTavish. You know. Right. But with their helmets on, you know, they sort of, you know, everybody skates and sort of plays. There's a very, very much a similarity to everybody to sometimes, you know, like you watch a team all the time. Of course, you're going to learn the idiosyncrasies. But when you just watch the game, but Pavelski is so different than everybody else. I mean, in that he is obviously not fast, but he's got this, uh, you know, and this deflection thing, which he has turned into this art form, which is always publicized, but now is like being publicized out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're showing, I love how they're trying to, they're trying to show deflections on the, on the, on the NHL network and all this stuff. This is hilarious. Or on TNT or whatever they were between periods. But uh, yeah, I, Pavelski's thing is just, it's its incredible. And it's its so interesting from another level. Like I told oh. my wife, and I were watching, I'm like, watch this guy because he's really good at deflections. Like you've never said anything like that before. You well, know, that's a strange thing. The, inter- the interesting thing, Kev, is that in bringing Pavelski back, they didn't put him between Hintz and Robertson. They put him with Mason Marchman and Max Domi. And now Max Domi's got six assists. Max Domi. <laughs> is really playing well, but because he's playing with Pavelski, he's sort of playing yeah. off of that. And that that now gives Dallas a three-line offensive attack with Robertson and Hintz on one line, Sagan and Ben, uh, Wyatt Johnston, and, and now this line. I mean, I think the, the return of Pavelski and them not putting him on that number one line has really made their offensive attack much more diverse. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. And there's a, go ahead, Russ. I was just going to say, I think, you know, I watched this one, and I do feel like they – set the statement early i also feel like the fact that wyatt johnston wasn't in the top three for the calder was bad and this is showing exactly why because he had 24 goals this year how could he not be in the top three yeah Yeah, that that was tough though because skinner had a good year the tough vote um but i i had wyatt johnston in mind Yes, when so and you know Owen Power was really good. It was, you know, it's just one of those ones. Like I bet we end up seeing. I bet second, third, and fourth are, or maybe all four are off within points of each other. It could so, be very close. Yeah. One yeah. one one of the points I want to make about Pavelski is, you know, he he's one of his reasons for his success is kind of a lost art. Usually, when we talk about goal scorers, we either we talk about skating or the shot. Yeah, and what Pavelski has, in addition to you know the art of the deflection, um, is an ability to know where to be. Yeah, like he is the one of the best at looking at the fortress that is today's <laughs> modern defense and 
looking for entrances into that fortress and he slides into these seams and you know he has no business being where uh you know he doesn't know where the puck's gonna go but he seems to because it always ends up in his direction and then boom he's there or somebody takes a shot and he's in the right spot to deflect it or to jam home a rebound and you know he's it's a real art uh to know and you know it's almost brett hall like um, yeah. Brett Hall like knew how to slide into the seams and the defense as well. Yeah, to have, to have, and 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 having just such great hands in tight, just in general, like you know, and yeah. rebounds and rebounds and everything, you know, kind of it reminds me of like Brett Hall's a good good comparison. I always thought John Tavares was really good at that too. Like I thought that was one of the things that I've always thought liked about his game. Uh, yeah, time. but yeah, this yeah. is like it's really just fun to watch. Yeah, I mean. It, I, for me to compare to Brett Hall, I mean, I'm only talking about one aspect of it. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a Brett Hall one timer or yeah. or anything like that. But I mean, they're different kinds of goal scorers. But yeah. just in the ability to find the seams, that's the only basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's such a leader too, and, and it just the way that team rallies around him. But so I, I would say that I'm not convinced, Kevin, that he's not a, that he's not still outside. Sh- I wouldn't count the guy out for an outside shot at that USA team because I just think that the way I, people rally he's around 41. him. Forty-one. He'd be forty-one years old. But He's got he's such a rallying cry and such an experienced guy and so respected that yeah. we've but the problem is US has never had as many great young players that are oh, they have, I know. right at the cusp. I mean the Robertsons and the Hughes. Oh, it's gonna be insane. The team's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, That'd be great. You know, like you know, like will Dylan Larkin make the team? You know, I mean that's right. how Tight, it's going to be. It's, so. it's crazy. I, mean, I, you, I do agree with that. You used to say that automatically your one, two centers would be Austin Matthews and and uh, and uh, Jack Eichel, but now Jack Hughes is in there, and now and Delmar yeah. is there. Yeah, and, yeah Jack Hughes has moved ahead of those guys. Yeah, know? Jack Hughes is the yeah is the man. Yeah. Uh, one other point about the stars, and I thought it was made by Jack, uh, uh, Jake Ottinger. Um, he was. Uh, kind of talking about what happened. And he said, you know, the greatness in this league in terms of teams is often decided uh, with the ability to bounce back mm-hmm. from a bad loss. Yeah. And, you know, he basically said, we had a bad loss in game one. And he was talking about himself. Yeah. And, you know, they're the number three defensive team in the NHL. Yeah. And they were down four to one after the first period. Right. In the opening game of the series. You know, so what was wrong with that picture? Totally. And I just said, look, you know, we just passed that test because that's how you measure success is in the yeah. ability to play a horrible game like we did and then, you know, come back and suddenly look. And, you know, they didn't really – how many quality chances to Seattle did they really give up? I'm, very few. They kind of dominated that game last night. They yeah. really – they put it together, like, and, and you really did make it like, okay, they just didn't show up for game one, and they are better than Seattle. Yeah. It's, just, it's a clear – it's one of those clear cases of just they're going to – I mean, they could – they could easily come out of the West. You know, like there's no question in my mind that Dallas could easily. Yeah, come we out. could. Uh, I'm about to win, you know, hey. lose power, so I'm going to switch computers here. So I know where you got it. Let, let me back in. So okay, you got it. We will. Um, now uh, let's before I because I'm going to have to leave in like eight minutes, Mike. So yeah. I want to go to um, Edmonton. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, because I am still on the same bandwagon that oh, I've been. Oh please, will you stop? I am not going to stop until oh I'm proven God. wrong. Like, the, how many go, how many goals did Skinner give up in that game? Well, how about his defense? How about his defense sucks? How about that? 
I'm not saying his defense doesn't suck, but what I am going to say, and, you know, wish I had Kevin to back me up because I, you know, but I'm not going to, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have him here right now. So I'm going to have to do this without him, but I'm telling you this, it's like the way the defense played in that one game that Campbell was in there was a lot better than the way the defense plays without Campbell in there. And there's a skitter. That was, in it cause, cause, that was a momentum changer. No, but Skinner is a skitterish goalie. He just, he has that skitterish. Is that Campbell's not? Have you he's seen not, him play? Not. Yes, of course. Oh I my have. God! No, please. I mean, first of all, they they, they have they obviously based on how many how many games they've started them have a lot of confidence in Stuart Skinner. But I also think it's a it's a it's a, rec, a recognition of a lack of confidence in Jack Campbell. And your report about them trading Jack Campbell in the off season is reflective of that. Well, no, I'm not. Say, I am not saying that Edmonton doesn't agree. I'm not. As I sit here, I'm not saying that Edmonton doesn't agree with you, Mike. <laughs> like I think, the, I think the Oilers 100%. I think the Oilers 100% agree with you that Skinner is their guy, 100%. Right? I'm just not buying it. Um, as 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 being that, I think I don't think they get past Vegas with Skinner. Uh, I don't think they get past Vegas. Period. That, but that's I think that Campbell could get them past Vegas, and I think just because the defense would play a more solid game. We'll see where it goes. I mean, it's like, listen, and that's why when I read about Campbell rumors, they're out there. Yeah, when you talk about goalies that are available, there's one, Jack Campbell. Yeah, but he didn't, you know, he's not getting the love out there from the people then. And one of them is one of the guys looking for a goalie. So, um, well, one of them yeah. is Buffalo, and, I, and they do like well, it. Well, but, but they don't want, they don't that want a goalie. They don't want a goalie with that much term. And yeah, I don't think they would do that. They, yeah, you know, I think if, that's too much money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if, if all of a sudden, if all of a sudden Kevin Chevaldeoff put Connor Hellebuck out there with a year left at six point one million, I think Kevin Adams would say, "Gimme." But four years at five million for a guy who had a sub nine hundred save percentage, and really, other than two months with Toronto, really hasn't proven that he's a solid number one goalie in this league. But if your goalie, no. if your goalie is going to be on an entry level contract, your top goalie, you know, in Buffalo, which is, you know, it probably will be. If that's the case, then why not have a solid backup who you can bring in? I know it's only two years, but why not have a solid backup that you can bring in? They have plenty of money. Like Campbell as a backup. They don't really have plenty of money. They've got a lot of great young players. They've got a I mean they're yeah. gonna they're gonna be suddenly in a Toronto position pretty quickly yeah. here. And okay. and as soon as soon as this summer, act if they if they get what they want, they want to extend Darlene and they want to extend Owen Power. And if you're extending right. Darlene, you're probably spending it could be eight figures. It could be ten million a year, and and they probably won't get power on a, a on anything more than a bridge deal. But even a bridge deal, he's probably going to make three or four million. So there there goes your money. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did know. they give Cousins when when they, they gave Cousins Cousins seven million? They gave yeah. uh, Thompson almost eight. Yeah, so they're, I mean they're they're, they're not going to have a ton of money, but they they are going to you know to me it's legitimate if you can pay your goalies a combination of seven million dollars for both of them. That's not terrible. Well, I okay. I think that they would be willing to spend money on a goaltender while Levi is on his ELC, which is two more years. Right. Anything longer than that, when they're going to have to pay, you know, anticipate that they're going to have to pay Levi, then it gets untenable. If it's somebody like, you know, somebody said Mackenzie Blackwood in the chat or, or Cam Talbot on a one or two year deal or somebody like that, I don't think they have an issue. But right. if it's, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say is, like, I don't know, have any idea where the Buffalo likes Campbell. Maybe they love him, as X said. But the uh, the the problem I have with it, I I think regardless of how you feel about Campbell, 
it's still an uncertainty. And do you want to pay that amount of money for uncertainty? I, I think if you're going to have an uncertainty, you'd rather go in with a two yeah. million dollar uncertainty. So exactly. that's the that's my that's you know I'm just looking at it logically, that's but I you know maybe they love him. I don't know. So. I don't debate you on that, Kevin, because here's the thing: like, well, we, they do they do like him. Obviously, he's got the, you know the, there's a lot of USA hockey in Buffalo, you know, a lot in the coaching and the general man and in general yeah. general, right. There's a lot of USA hockey going on there. Um, and you know, and and Campbell has a good, really good reputation with USA Hockey, as you know. So they, um, yeah. so the, the reality is that you know, if he comes in without the pressure of being like this crazy, you know, like, and, and he's like almost the perfect. Say you go Blackwood. Say we go like Levi and Blackwood. Those are your two goalies. They're, then you really have a, it's really two kind of unknowns. Like I mean, Levi could be like well, maybe, I don't know. But if you have Campbell to fall back on, he could get he's him an unknown. He's an unknown. He's an unknown. Like, yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I guess what it comes down to, like, if you're telling me that Adams is in Granada or sold on him, then I think it's possible. Yeah. If they're saying, I, I, I like it. I think he's a good roll of the dice. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's different. Like, then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta sort of pay attention to what he's making. And if you have another guy that you also say, you know, he's a good roll of the dice. Yeah. You know, then I think you're going to take the cheaper guy. Now, if you're completely, if Granado says, like, you know, I love this kid, you know, he's a first class citizen, and Adam said, you know, I think he's much better than he's ever been given credit for. Well, then it's a different story. So it all really does come down to how how they they feel about him. But I think Granado is the kind of coach that would like to have a goalie that he's at least familiar with. But before you before you leave, because I just want to touch yeah. on that, this this series. Um, Maybe I'm making a bigger deal of it, but when you have a guy, and you could say the same thing about Dallas and Pavelski in game one, when you have a guy like Dreisaitl and the combo like Dreisaitl and McDavid who score four times yeah. and you don't win, that's a, that's a cardinal sin. That is, that is really – now, I think that that is a statement more on the pitiful defense that Edmonton played than on Stuart Skinner. And in game two, if, if that happens again – um, you know, Edmonton, you know, be down two nothing going back to going back uh, to uh, to Rod was it Rogers Arena or Rogers Center. Um, I, I just I just think right now they have to tighten up defensively and can't they cannot depend on uh, Drysaddle and McDavid just to carry the ball as they've done for year after year. When they're a deeper when they play as a deeper team, they're better, but they're they're not playing that way. They're they're depending on McDavid and Dreisaitl to carry them to victory. They're also depending on Skinner, who doesn't have a track record either. And that, right. that could still prove costly, too. I mean, they're scoring enough goals to win. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's just say the reality is they're scoring up, but they're giving up a ton yeah, of goals. Yeah, they are scoring enough goals to win. That's for sure. They're giving yeah. up a ton of goals. I mean, I, does, it, is, is any, does it seem to anyone else that our, our Oilers coach, uh, you know, like it seems like, He's also feeding into this yeah. two line deal by the way he plays these, these guys. Like, I don't, you know, he's yeah. not a guy saying, you know, I love to roll four lines. He's not that guy. No, no and I think he, I think he should be, a, he should adjust to the depth that they have. I mean, honestly, Eck, if, you, if you're having a contest of who looks more during the headlights, Sheldon Kiefer, Jay Woodcroft, I'd say Woodcroft. Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, I don't have I any agree. No, I agree. They, they, yeah, they I, agree I, I agree with that. He does have that, but um, I don't know. I don't know who I would say is more of a deer in headlights, but they both have that deer in headlights look to them. 
Yes. Um, By the way, save me five minutes. I got something I want to talk about at the end of the show. Okay. I really have to go, guys. I'm sorry. Okay. No, we'll, no, we'll continue because we still have to touch up on um, Carol, Carolina, New Jersey. But yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for everything. We'll see you guys okay. on Monday. Yeah. All right. There is, there is a report by Frank Cervalli that at least two Calgary, it said several Calgary players rescinded their trade request when Sutter got fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, the way the I way believe that report. Yeah, me too. I said that was Sutter got fired by exit interviews. Yes. Yeah. Especially Huberto, apparently. But the way, uh, the way it was, Don Maloney made it sound. He said he talked to players, he talked to the coaching staff, he talked to the agents of players, and then decided they had to go someplace. Yeah, because there was almost a mass mutiny in Calgary, essentially, of what the way Sutter was doing things. Um, now, Carolina, New Jersey, game two. Um, Kev, midway through the second period, New Jersey had one shot on goal. Lindy pulls Schmid after giving up three goals on 11 shots. I think that's more of a reflection of them having to sort of change the momentum yeah. and not what Schmid was yeah. doing. Yeah. So, you know, game two, I, I would assume Schmid's going back in. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, seems like the net is his, but I agree with you. It was just a, you know, what you do to kind of change the momentum a little bit. But, you know, that just wasn't a good game for the Devils. And, yeah. you know, We'll come back in two and we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, not- that, that was a game where <clears throat> still Carolina had trouble putting them away, even though they were up. Even at 3-1, you still felt like the Devils might get back in it. So I, I'm with Kevin. I don't think they're completely uh, worried about this, and I think they probably will operate similarly now. No. It could make a lineup yep. change. and may not hurt I them. mean, Go ahead, Kev. Yeah. I mean, the Devils' strength is their offense – and the Carolina's strength is their defensive core. And in that particular game, the defensive core was very good, and the Devils' offense was not. So, you know, and those that's going to happen, and maybe next game it will be reversed. But, you know, like the series really starts in game two for me, so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I mean, if Carolina comes out and wins again, then now we're in a hole. But even that, like, the, like it's nothing the Devils haven't already seen in this playoffs. You know, even if they lose this game, so next game. So you know, I I think this series has reminded everyone that you know there's a reason why we play seven games. So yeah, the only thing is somebody who's being impacted by this series, or I think it is, is just Jesper Bratt. He's only got four points. He only has one goal. Like if he wants to make a big contract next year, he needs to get it online for them because otherwise, I think they are going to nitpick him on his playoff performance because it hasn't been great. No. Uh, Kev, go ahead with what you wanted to talk about. Well, I, I wanted to talk about, I, I wrote about, um, you know, obituaries in the NHL are, um, are are kind of interesting in your in my business. At, at Detroit Hockey Now, where I write, um, you know, they don't do particularly well. Um, people, you would think they would want to read about some of the heroes they saw play, but, you know, Bob and I have always lamented that, um, in terms of producing readership, it's it's not what you think, um, and um, but we continue to do them because we think you know those that's newsworthy and everybody should give their proper send off. So we always write them, but every once in a while, you get a sense of a player's popularity by you write an old bit and it takes off, and that happened yesterday um, for me. I wrote uh, about Peter Klima, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, Peter Klima was not a great player. 
Um, he, but he was an entertaining player. He was a colorful player. He was quirky. I remember him as being quirky. Well, yeah. I mean, he had an odd helmet. Yeah. He had candy cane style tape on his stick. Right. Um, he, uh, um, you know, he was a bad boy. He got himself in trouble. He had a mullet. Um, <laughs> you know, for for a while, he had flowing hair. I can't you know. blame the mullet on him. That was a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a lot of guys. Um, you know, he was always in trouble in the doghouse with the coach because defense was not who he was. Um, and you know, I mean, there's a great story about Peter Klima. Um, you know, in the it, he he ended the longest game in Stanley Cup final history at 15 plus minutes into the third period. He had been glued to the bench for the entire overtime. He hadn't played much at all. He was the freshest person in the entire arena. Yeah, John Muckler benched him for like the third and the first two yeah. periods of over. Were you at that game, Kev? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Was that the was that the game that the power went out? Yes, yet? it was. Twenty six okay. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I um, remember that very vividly. But he was the freshest guy in, and uh, Muckler called him, and he went out and he scored the you know the. You know the game-winning goal of Game One, and of course he ended up winning a Stanley Cup. Um, but I also noted that he played for five teams, and every team, even though he was a bit of a bad boy, put out a statement of condolences to the family. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just kind of wanted to bring that up because it just shows like the impact. Some because many people, many people had something to say about Peter Klima. Yeah. Um, I and he was, like I said, he was not an exceptional player. He was a 30-goal scorer, but, and he was a dynamic player. He was dangerous when he was on the ice. So, But he was, was dangerous at both ends. It was – it was right. It was it, – because I remember him uh, very vividly because, you know, Detroit in the Norris division playing Toronto all the time, so I saw him all the time. And that was at the point where, you know, European players coming over and defecting before – this is before the wall fell. You know, um, I, I remember Jeff Merrick was talking about it, like Vaklov Nedimansky and a couple other players played for Toronto in the W in the WHA and the Stasnys came over with Quebec, but it was always Canadian teams. They had an easier time getting these players to come over and the countries that they played for were less, uh, were, were less uh, upset if they came to Canada when it came to the U S and with the Soviets and the, all the, the Soviet bloc countries, it was more difficult to get those players over. And Klima was one of the first. And it was the first, actually. The first. Yeah, and, so, and, yeah. I, and I, you know, very skillful, but but yeah, he was he was definitely a liability in his own end. Definitely. Yeah, I mean the defection story. It, it was like an Ian Fleming James Bond book. Um, right. You know, he, they get first met him in Vancouver and got a contract signed, and then. They uh, made a contact with him. The national team was going to Germany, mm -hmm. and they set it up to meet him in the woods outside of Nussbaum, Germany. <laughs> and so they show up, and they got no idea. Like they don't know whether the Czechs have figured this out. Are they? You know, is there going to be a security force of Czech, you know, uh, uh, secret police uh, there meeting them? You know, I mean, it's a little uh, nerve wracking to say the least. And then out walks Peter Klima from the woods. And then he wants to renegotiate his contract. It's just a minor thing, but they had to renegotiate his contract there for a little minor deal. And he said, okay, I'll be right back, which they didn't like to hear. 
but he went in somewhere and they came back and he had brought some momentum. He had no clothes, no passport because you got to turn over your passport. Wow. And, uh, but he had some mementos that he wanted to keep. So he had an armful of mementos with no clothes and no passport. And then he said, Oh, by the one, I need one other thing. I need you to get my girlfriend out of the Czech, Czechoslovakia as well. So then they had to start working on that, but it took him a month, a month. And, uh, uh, to get uh, him uh, back uh, uh, to the United States. So they were over in Germany a long time, and, you know, he, he was growing impatient and frustrated, and, um, and then he finally came over. But, um, you know, it takes a lot of courage to walk away from everything. Yeah. But, uh, some, some of those stories, I mean, Chris in the chat is talking about McGilney. I mean, I remember yeah. hearing about the, the McGilney story, Jerry Meehan and Don Luce and, Bob, what was it? Bob Suedos for us, who was part, yeah, part of the. I think they went over to like, I think it was Finland, and they got him. They got him. It was it was sort of like a a spy novel type of situation. And if I remember correctly, didn't Pavel Bury defect at like the world the World Juniors, Russ? Wasn't it something like that? Yeah. Um, I know. I have an upper deck story where they got to him before that, and they crossed. I know the person who actually crossed the border with a duffel bag full of cash. So they could sign Pavel Bury to a card contract. Yeah. Well, I, Fedorov defected at the Goodwill games in Seattle. Yes. Um, you know, he walked away from his team. But, you know, uh, you know, the, the, another part of that story was that the Red Wings wanted to get him earlier. And, and uh, Kalima said, no, I got to complete my military service because they shoot you if you don't do your uh, <laughs> military service. So, wow. you know, so. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to have to replay the Bob Swatos interview, though, because it really is like a chilling kind of thing. Like he went into so much detail and about how it all went down. And he was worried like, you know, here, you know, here he is. He's like, you know, a polished um, American lawyer, businessman, you know, high up rank, high ranking guy for the Sabres. And he was worried like he was worried about how things would go. It wasn't just like, eh, we all just laugh about it now. It's like, no, it was tense. Yeah, no, all that stuff was tense. And, uh, you know, I mean, these, uh, it's hard to even imagine now, you know, you know, that uh, not having the freedom to go, um, you know, where you want, wanted to go. So I remember it was a big deal in Rendezvous um, when, uh, you know, Larry Onoff, you know, spoke English so we could talk to him. And, you know, there were rumors that there were, you know, Russians were going to be allowed out and would these guys get out. And, you know, it was, I remember, there must have been 50 reporters around Larry Onop trying to get him to talk. And, you know, you could see the KBG guy over his left shoulder. And, you know, it was just uh, it was a difficult situation. But anyway, I just wanted to speak to uh, the popularity of Peter Klima. You don't sometimes understand and appreciate the popularity of some players. But Peter Klima was one of those guys that, you know, everybody has a kind of a memory of him for for whatever reason, yeah, because he was colorful, because he was entertaining, because he was a bad boy, because he, uh, you know, had an odd-looking helmet, because uh, he could he could skate, and who knows why, but he somehow connected with the fan base and five different teams. I tell so, people still go out there and try and see the movie Red Army by Gabe Polsky. Um, hmm. It really is incredible what these players had to go through over there, and, it not, and it's not just Russia; it's other countries too. Russia just took it to a new level. But it, it, there were things that, that were detailed in that movie that even though things were covered in the papers and you would read about it, it was still worse than you can imagine. And yeah. I imagine he went through a lot of that, too. Yeah. Um, so the schedule is Devil's Hurricanes tonight, 
only one game on Saturday, which is very unusual. Oilers, uh, Vegas at seven o'clock, and then three games on Sunday. Uh, Hurricanes, Devils, Game Three, Leafs, Panthers, Game Three, and Seattle and Dallas Game Three. So light schedule those next two nights. Um, probably, like I said, because of building availability. And there, are, there's also a rumor, uh, Kev, that Vinny Viola, the owner of the Florida Panthers, because he owns the favorite in the Kentucky Derby tomorrow, didn't want the game on Saturday so he could right. do the Kentucky Derby in Louisville. Well, and- it's a losing ratings battle if you try and go up against the Derby. It is. Well, the game would have been at seven o'clock. So, but I'm saying he wanted to be in Louisville to watch his horse. I think it's Forte uh, run, and then and then be able to go and watch his team play. They maybe use the excuse of the Miami Heat playing against the Knicks as as the reason why. But uh, there was some talk about him like sort of putting his finger on the scale in terms of getting them to play Game Three. Stranger things have happened. You never. It's, know. it's good. It's, it's good to be the king. I do want to mention this, though. Four horses died um, leading up to this Kentucky Derby, and they're, they've already started to take some action. Um, it's no joke. I mean, oh. I, that's one thing that I really um, wish was better is how they, how they take care of these horses. You could say, hey, you don't have to worry about the big rich ones and the million-dollar ones. Well, that may be true to a point, but we're starting to learn that maybe that's not the truth. And one, the show, because on – let's see, was it uh... – on Monday, the lot the NHL draft lottery happens the eighth. So uh, we'll do this and we'll do it again on Monday before the actual lottery. So we press the button and the Anaheim Ducks win the uh, the lottery. Russ and Philly gets second. Philly got Fantilli in that one. And Buffalo Buffalo gets third. Comes up ten spots and wins third place, which if they got Leo Carlson or Fantilli or. Uh, well, here's the thing now. I mean, if you're going to go by Bobby Kenzie, who, who takes really like a temperature of all the different scouts out there and kind of puts together his numbers. Um, he's got Will Smith at third. I, I, I love Will Smith. I would never take him third. I still would take Carlson every day of the week, but if there's a team. Uh, he's going, he's going, Carlson's going this third. Yeah, but Kev, there's a team that actually would take Will Smith third. I'd be shocked. Talk the talk about an embarrassment of riches: Zegris, McTavish, and Bedard. Yeah, well, Drysdale coming off an injury. I and, think I think Zegris ended up on the wing. Yeah, yeah he would. Oh, there's no yeah. question. Yeah, and that, you know what? That may be better for him anyway. It might be better for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. because he, you know, I I think he's struggling with all the the two way effectiveness that you need to be a you know a, a elite level center so this could be a line that all of a sudden we love because i i just don't feel like and, and this will just be my last little bit i still don't feel like there are enough line nicknames or great lines left in this league that we could really latch on to even in these playoffs there's a couple but it's not like it used to be not like the old days i think that would sort of bring it back to that yeah no i agree but you know, Anaheim has only a 25% chance of winning this. So right. They did that. You know what? In 2019, they decided to take away some of the percentage points from the worst teams and give them to the other teams that didn't make the playoffs, and I still don't understand that. I don't. I feel like, look, I, I said it the other day on Lockdown Flyers, Kev, I'll get your opinion. If it were me, I would just have the worst five teams draw twice to see who's getting first and second, and then let everything else fall where it may. But I really feel like 
the worst teams should should really have that much better chance. I, I mean, that's the way it was before, as you recall, the five yeah. teams. I, I really didn't like that very well. Like, I think if you miss the playoffs, you ought to have some shot, but it should be weighted. But I think the losing teams need a higher percentage than they're they getting. They definitely do. There's no question about yeah, that. Was, that was that was pre uh, – I think 2009 was the last time because that was the Tavares – uh, those the, the the top five, and then I think they changed it at that point. So anyway, we'll we'll see what happens on Monday. It'll definitely change the fortunes of one particular team. Um, for the departed Eklund, for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.